What's up, pals? This is Chris Sampson, and welcome to episode 65 of the Super Nerd Pals podcast. Unfortunately, Andy couldn't make it this episode, but Stan and I have a great episode for you. In this episode, we talk about news relating to Spider-Man Homecoming, Dragon Ball Universe, and the premiere of Preacher on AMC. We also talk about the hit zombie manga, I Am a Hero, and a whole bunch of comics Stan has been reading lately. Lastly, we finish it off with a fun special topic that was generated by an amazing and awesome Facebook community. This was a really fun episode, and we hope you enjoy it. Thanks! recording <laughs> Goku is a bad father too true <laughs> did you see that funny meme that's been going on uh, around it was it was from I think it's from the, the latest Dragon Ball Super episode where Goku accidentally instant transmissions into Bulma's home and he's not sure what is going on and she freaks out. She she goes out. She comes out of the shower. She starts freaking out, and she's asking Goku like, "Why the hell are you here?" And Goku's like, "He Goku has no filter, so we say something like, well, I wasn't here to look at your saggy breasts.'" And then Vegeta walks in, and he's like, "Kakarot, what are you doing?" God. And and then Goku teleports away, and I was like, "Wow, wow, That's Goku, so I I just can't even." Yeah, I was watching um. Dragon Ball Z Kai last night because it was on Toonami uh-huh. and um, Kirstie had fallen asleep already so I was just like laying there watching Dragon Ball at like midnight and it was from the Cell Saga and it was essentially Goku deciding that he was going to train with Gohan in the hyperbolic time chamber and he goes to Chi Chi and, and they're having this conversation and it's supposed to be like um like a heart to heart Master Roshi is there and and Goku's like not showing any affection, and then like Chi Chi leans towards him, and he like backs away, like <laughs> like she's gonna <laughs> attack him or something, and and they're just standing there looking at each other, not touching. And Master Roshi is like, "What a sweet moment." I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and then later he goes, he goes, he teleport. He this is moments after he recovers from the heart disease that he was having, so he's recovered and he has this moment with Chi Chi, and they don't touch or anything and then he goes teleports to where gohan and everyone is to let them know that he's okay and then everyone freaks out krillin hugs him gohan just starts standing there and starts tearing up because his dad's okay and then goku just looks at him and then like puts his hand on his head like he's a fucking dog and he's like i'm all right gohan and that's it and like that's the whole like what that's your fucking boy and he's crying and he thought you you were dying and and your response is i'm gonna touch him on on his fucking forehead that's your response, Goku. The yeah. fuck? Goku. <sighs> Goku, I, I can't. just... Yeah. Um, I can't with Goku. It makes me wonder because... Because in the time skip between Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, like, somewhere in between that time, you know, Goku marries Chi-Chi and they have, they have Gohan. But it's literally it's been forever since I've seen Dragon Ball. So I don't even know... I don't know if like at the at the, end, at the end of Dragon Ball there was some canon relationship going uh, relationship between Chi Chi and Go- Goku, 
Like, the only thing I remember is, like, Goku accidentally, or, or, he just kind of agreed to, to Chi-Chi's proposal to be married, but this is when, when they were still kids. I have all five, well, not five, but, like, I have all volumes of the Dragon Ball manga before the Z time skip, so I have the whole Dragon Ball. Um, from what I remember, he, he agrees to marry Chi-Chi when they're kids because he thinks it's, like, a food or something, marriage. Is like a, a meal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then at the end of Dragon Ball, after the time, after the Piccolo time skip, the the last um, tournament before Z, when Goku fights Piccolo in the finals or whatever, he has to fight an adult Chi Chi, and she's pissed because he promised to marry her, and, he, and she's like, "What's going on?" And then he agrees. He's like, "All right, fine. We'll do, we'll actually get married." And she and then she like forfeits the match because of that, I think, or something like that. Oh, okay. Because I, I I haven't read it in years, but I, but I I have it at home, so I should like go. I've been planning to go through it actually again because it's been so long. But I think that's what happens. And then and then the Z time skip happens, and then it just Gohan's like fucking five years old or whatever it is, and that's yeah. that's it. That's where it picks up. So I don't know, like, if they have any romance, because the only thing I remember is, like, Chi-Chi nagging him all the time, and then him just being gone, like, not there ever, and then being dead, and then Piccolo raising him, and then him coming back for Frieza shit, and then, you know, they're dealing with Frieza stuff, and then and then he's gone again, and then Gohan's on Earth, and then some time goes by, then he comes back again, and, and so he's like not there. He's just not really there. He's only there to fight the bad dudes, and then he's gone. And then Go Gohan has to like kind of grow up alone. And then everyone like hates Chi Chi, but Chi Chi's at least trying to. She deserves so much more respect. Goku is the worst husband and the worst father ever. We've established this, and and even though she works her butt off, I mean, like, granted, she does come from uh, a family of wealth. Because the Ox King apparently has like coffers and coffers, but that that wealth is always only so sustainable. And I mean, she goes to live in the woods with Goku, you know, like they're they're, they're living in a rural a rural like rural a rural lifestyle, and it's just this I don't know, like and she 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 doesn't want her son at the time when Gohan was the only kid around to like become like a bum. Like Goku, she's like, you gotta cram, you gotta study. Yeah, she wants him to become a scholar. This is the modern era where we don't. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, she looks a little overbearing, and she's really naggy. But that's the only side of Chi Chi that Dragon Ball Z shows us. You know, we don't get to see the the downtime when you know Gohan and Chi Chi are just chilling, and Goku's like fucking dead or somewhere, or how she raises Goten and Gohan by herself, pretty much, because Goku's always fighting somebody or in heaven. You know. And I mean, go on, turn out fine. So I'm, I'm thinking like it's, it's at least fifty percent Chi Chi, fifty percent Piccolo. Gohan, ha he has a solid head on his shoulders. And what, what really bothers me is, uh, every, like every now and then, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're the same way that you're subscribed like a whole bunch of like Dragon Ball Z groups on Facebook and whatnot. But like, I always see Facebook comments everywhere where people. People complain. Oh God, Gohan used to be so badass, and now he's just a he's a, he's a scrub. It's like, are you, are you what? Are you, are you sure he's still one of the most powerful beings on the planet? He so I I don't know. It's stupid. Yeah. Anyway, let's yeah. start. Let's start the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that was like a backdoor pilot into our Dragon Ball Z show. Whatever that happens. 
What's up, pals? Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 65 of Super Nerd Pals. Off this week is Andy Karaskrill. He's been moving, so he's not going to be here this week. But here today is me, Stan Gadurski. And I'm Chris Sampson. And welcome to Super Nerd Pals. Um, welcome. Chris, how's your week? Uh, it's been really, really busy, and I didn't really have much time to do nerd things. So this weekend, I just, I just stayed in. Chillaxed and caught up on some some comics and didn't have a lot of time for video games though. But for my topic this week, I'm actually talking about comics for once, which is Me I don't too. remember the last time I talked about it. Yeah. How about you? So I I've been playing Uncharted. I put I put Doom down like I said I was for a little while so I can finish Uncharted. I'm about halfway through right now. Um, I'm liking it a lot, but it is it's Uncharted, so I. I feel like if you know Uncharted, there's not there's not much there to surprise you. You know, there's like a rope mechanic that I don't remember there being in the previous games, and it's just wrapping up the story. So I'm I'm enjoying it a lot, but there's I don't find a lot to talk about with it that's new. So that's why I haven't really mentioned it yet. This weekend, I discovered that a new treat that I, I didn't know existed, but according to Kirsty, has existed for a long time. Uh, we went to the supermarket. And there's this thing called, I don't know if you ever heard of this, Chris, but it's called Banana Babies. Banana Babies. You never heard? I have not. <laughs> okay, so apparently Kiersey really likes this stuff. It's it's a legitimate banana on a popsicle stick covered in chocolate and frozen. So, like a frozen banana from, um, what's it called? Arrested Development? Yeah, pretty much. It's cut in half, right? So, it's like banana halves. Mm-hmm. And they dip it in chocolate and they freeze it. And it's a real ass banana, and and they come in packages of like six or something in the supermarket, and they're so fucking good, Chris. Is it is your new addiction? <laughs> yeah, and they're listen, they're they're low cal because it's just a banana covered in chocolate, but it's so good. It tastes like ice cream because you know the ban- banana gets all frozen and mm-hmm. it's got that consistency of like the mushy like ice cream kind of thing. So it tastes like you're eating like banana chocolate ice cream, but it's that's awesome. fruit covered in chocolate. That's great. And each one is like 100-something calories. So it's like, I can just eat all these, and it's fine. Meanwhile, you have two Oreos, and you're over. You're already eating like 300 calories. Yeah, me and, my, me and my roommate, we used to grab bananas and freeze them. Uh, then we take them out after like a week later, and they're still good. And we mix like the frozen bananas into like a blender and make smoothies out of them. And oh my god, it, it tastes like banana ice cream and with chocolate and some other weird stuff we put in it. And it's so delicious. I mean, it's, it's healthy. It's supposed to be healthy. But then me and my roommate would just add all this other sweet, delicious, not so healthy stuff. But <laughs> I feel you with the both the bananas. It's really good. Yeah. So banana babies are my new favorite treat. So I've, been, awesome. I've, I've been eating them all weekend. So That's great. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Speaking of new addictions, it's not food related. But I was so... Actually, that, that's also the other reason why I didn't play any of you games this week. Because I spent literally all of Saturday binging this series. Have you, have you watched... The YouTube series called Monster Factory? No. Okay, um, but you know Polygon and how um, it started, like, uh, what's his name? Justin? I keep forgetting which one it is. Is Justin or Griffin Mac- McElroy? Founders of Polygon. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do this amazing series, or YouTube series on Polygon, called Monster Factory, where they basically they go through video games such as like Dark Souls or Mass Effect, The Sims, and they try to break the character creation system. They just make these monstrous, grotesque characters, and they, they, they play the sliders, and they make the most crazy, ugly creatures they can, 
they can't imaginable. And they do, they go through the game and they do a hilarious commentary. And my friend Erin, she's also really big into the McElroy brothers. So they, everything from their Polygon work to their podcasts to their live shows. She was the one who introduced me to Monster Factory. And oh my god, I, I regret not knowing about this earlier because it's so good and it, it was just a religious experience so thank you so much Aaron I I binged it and it was amazing and I need to evangelize the series to everyone so I, I binged through the entire playlist each one's like 30 minutes long and they're they're like 15 videos and they're so hilarious. The one I highly recommend they did a three-part video in Fallout 4. And what's really crazy, not only do they try to break the character systems, they try to break the game in general. So they, 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 like, they do console mod hacks. So they hack into the game and they do crazy things like, like deleting characters or spawning a billion nuclear bombs. And it's just so much fun. So I, I was dying. That was my other addiction. And I, I finished all the videos. And there's now there's no more to watch. And I'm really sad. But I'm really happy. But really sad. Sounds good. I'm going to take a look at it now that you Definitely. brought it up. Um, you want to go to Newsflash? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Newsflash. Newsflash. All right. So the first piece of news. There's been fan rumors and speculations that the Kingpin will appear in Spider-Man Homecoming, which is really interesting because uh, from, from official press releases, we know that Michael Keaton has fully signed on on board as a villain in Homecoming. But and, and so far as Kingpin, this is all just speculations. I, I don't know where it originated. And apparently Vincent Donafor... Oh, I can't pronounce his last name. Donafor... Donafrio? Donafrio? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just let you keep going. Okay. Um, so Vincent, he plays Kingpin on the Daredevil MCU TV show, and he's amazing. And this is this is established fact. He tweeted in response to all these speculations that this was news to him, and he's unsure that it'll even happen. But he expressed a lot of interest and enthusiasm for the crossover between TV and movies. So he encouraged fans to continue contacting and tweeting at Marvel to make it a thing. But right now, that's just something that's going around in the ether, and we're not sure if this is actually going to become anything, but I would love that. And I know you would love that, because you posted something on Facebook Facebook about it. So what do you think? Yeah, facebook.com slash group slash Super Nerd Pals. I think it'd be really cool. I don't know what my, who Michael Keaton is going to be playing, necessarily. Um, should be... I keep hearing the vulture. Nah, fuck the vulture. Craven the hunter. Craven the hunter. All right. Yeah, Craven the hunter. But Kingpin would be fucking awesome because Spidey is always going after Kingpin. You know, he's he's a Daredevil villain, but he shows up in the Spider-Man comics all the time. Um, mm-hmm. You posted that picture from the old from Ultimate Spider-Man where he's essentially just telling fat jokes to the Kingpin, <laughs> and it's one of my favorite moments in the early Ultimate Spider-Man comics. And I think it'd be great if they just brought Kingpin, who's super dark from the Daredevil series, and just had this teenage kid run his mouth to him and just punk him out. Especially Tom Holland. I mean, that kid can snark like no one one else can. It would be amazing. They could pretty much one-for-one redo the scene from the beginning of Ultimate Spider-Man. And it it would work because they're around the same ages as they are in the comic, you know, because 
Spider-Man in, in uh, MCU is a, is a teenager, so that would work really well. Um, he could also play. He doesn't have to be the main villain. He could be the um, the beginning sort of thing that he has that Spider-Man has to deal with, leading in uh, to the main villain later, like um, the Dark Knight movie when Batman takes out Scarecrow in the beginning. And then the Joker ends up becoming the main villain for the rest of the movie. You do the same thing here. Have have him take out, introduce him by having him take, or, or just like crossbones. Yeah, and crossbones in Civil War. Yeah, you introduce Spider Man by having him take out Kingpin in the beginning to show his his forte. If you didn't see Civil War, and then that provokes whatever main villain. Like, all right. So here's here here's what I'm thinking right now for the plot. Okay. Spider-Man takes out Kingpin in the beginning, the first 20 minutes of the movie. It's spectacular, like, fight scene or whatever. He just clears... He just does in 20 minutes what Daredevil has to do in his entire first season, right? He just punks him out. This gets media coverage. And you know who sees it on the medias? Craven the Hunter. And he's like, this guy is going to be a hell of a prey to catch. And then, boom, you got the movie. Right there. I'm done. I'm sold. That's awesome. Yeah, because who cares about Vulture? He's some old-ass dude who, like, flies around in a fucking green costume. I'm not as well-versed in Spider-Man, but Vulture's not, like, an A-list villain. He's, like, a C-list villain, isn't he? He's, he's like, my least favorite of Spider-Man's rogues, like, honestly. He's... If if he ended up being... I... Unless... Unless they're going Vulture because Michael Keaton is Birdman. That's that's what I thought. Like, he, <laughs> and they like do Birdman, that kind of shit. He's close enough. They can even reuse the same costume. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah, if they, if they go that direction, then maybe. But the Vulture that I'm thinking of, the grumpy old man, who's like, I'll get you, Spider-Man. Brr, after my nap. I don't want to see that shit, you know? I want to see him crazy. I would rather see Michael Keaton with his hairy chest out with, like, a lion on his on his torso like coming after Spider Man with a knife. That seems <laughs> so, like a uh, much Victor Zaz, Michael yeah, that's, Keaton. That's a much better two hour movie to me than than to see Michael Keaton in a green fucking feather costume going, I'll get you, Spider Man. <laughs> right? Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get over your accent or your your uh your your cho- your choice for his I don't know what what kind of accent is that I don't know that's my old man vulture accent it sounds like it sounds like a really bad grandpa version of Rocky and Muggsy <laughs> from the Looney Tune cartoons all right oh man so a minor tangent off of this how do you feel about the relatively consistent trend where you know TV and movie has and, and the movie universes are properties have are largely like separate i mean i think marvel is a little bit better about it than dc because i know certain events from like agents of shield that led up to it had i guess like applications or blowback or some sort of consequences after civil war but you know with dc over here you know they're they couldn't be further apart so I was just one. I feel like if Kingpin and Homecoming could happen, it could it could be like the first chick in the armor where you could have more cross pollination, and I feel like that'll be pretty cool. Well, so DC TV and movies are completely separate, like you said, because it's two different universes. Um, the Marvel TV and the Marvel movies are supposed to be occupying the same space, and I feel like Agents of Shield is a little bit more reactionary in how they present the connection because things will always happen in the movie first and then there are things like oh now tune in the agents of shield to see how the fallout affects it you know like 
at the end of Winter Soldier when Shield completely went down. That affected Agents of Shield. I don't watch the show, you know, like I, it never really interested me that much to like stick with it. But that's kind of how I felt they always approached it. I feel like the Netflix Marvel shows are a little more serious, you know, like Jessica Jones, Daredevil. So I feel like if they're gonna incorporate all these heroes in Infinity War, which they need to do, I feel. It would be really stupid if they did Infinity War and Daredevil wasn't in it. You know, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist wasn't a part of it in some mm-hmm. some capacity. So I feel like they do need to start connecting a little little better. So I feel like a great way to do that would be to throw in Kingpin, you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, largely the, the amount, at least in terms of the Defenders properties, you know, they, they, all, they always mention like... You know, oh, the Battle of New York and implications of that and throwaway references to like the Hulk or Thor. But those have been really, for the most part, like superficial uh, allusions to yeah. the larger MCU. Yeah. And that would be so disappointing if like Charlie Cox didn't show up in the big screen. Um, yeah. It'd be great to else. see him in the Avengers, you know, in Infinity War. You know, when Thanos fucking brought terror to new york in the comic books everybody was involved like from daredevil all the way up to the fantastic four you know so i feel like they in order to like make the scale as huge and make thanos's biggest threat have everyone in new york city involved you know have all the avengers have all the street level heroes you know maybe even show some surviving villains like run amok and then fucking get wolverine (laughs) (laughs) yeah because grab him from fox for the two movies, doesn't even have to be Hugh Jackman. All new Wolverine, Laura. Let's do it. Yes, yes, all new. Please do that. That'd be so good. Yeah, and I think you know. You know, because Disney Marvel, they, they got their foot in the door. They they pull it off with Sony. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll make a a deal sweet enough that Fox cannot refuse. Yeah. So so to wrap that up, honestly, I think I don't know if it'll happen, but I think it's a really great idea, and I feel like it'll be a missed opportunity. If Marvel doesn't do that, because Kingpin is already kind of a shared villain between Punisher, Daredevil, Spider-Man. So why not, you know, lay into that a little bit more and bring Punisher over to Spider-Man, too, because that's where he debuted, you know, have him show up for a little bit. What if Tom Holland appears in the first episode of the Punisher TV series? You know, be really cool is if. On in Spider-Man: Homecoming, you got to see this interaction between Spider-Man, Punisher, and Kingpin, and then in this Punisher TV show, you got to see the other side of that interaction. Like you get to see the lead up to that, and then you get to see the same scene in a different context, and then the aftermath from Punisher's side. Holy shit, that would be so awesome! That'd be a great connection to make, and just like, yes, can we tweet that? We'll tweet it out. (laughs) We'll get some steam. We'll we'll tweet at Vincent Donofrio. And uh, he'll 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 rep us. It'll give it the whole a whole like a uh, Pulp Fiction kind of vibe where you get you get one side and then you get you get to see the context from the other side. Yeah, I like it. I like it. We'll make it happen. So the next uh, bit of news, uh, I called it Dragon Ball Xenoverse Two got confirmed on on Wednesday. Um, Fly through time became Xenoverse Two. There's a teaser trailer up. Looks really cool. Looks. Similar to Xenoverse 1, but it has different locations. Uh, graphics are gorgeous. And um, it shows pretty much stuff from all from the beginning to the end of Dragon Ball Z. And I think GT too. I, I have to rewatch the trailer. But yeah, and I think there's no serious details. But I think 
we're going to do more side stuff in the game, such as movies and Dragon Ball Super stuff. So I'm, I'm super excited for it. I hope they make the improvements that I spoke about last week in this one. You know, I'd like to see more character customization options. I'd like to see a little bit more interaction with other player characters and um, less random drops of important items. But overall, I'm so hyped and I'm super excited that Xenoverse 1 did well enough that it warranted a sequel. Because I think if any Dragon Ball Z game warrants a part two it's Xenoverse because it does it does enough. It's you know the fighting mechanics aren't as straight up as say a Budokai game, but we haven't had a Budokai game in so long. And I think for me personally, Xenoverse's fighting is better than Tenkaichi's fighting. So yeah, I, I like what they're doing. It's it's kind of a mishmash RPG fighting game, and I wouldn't mind if they leaned harder into the RPG stuff and maybe gave you like more side quests and more open-ended things instead of just throwing you in an arena and like fight these dudes and ending it there. It'd be cool if it was a more integrated RPG. Well, it looks like they're leaning towards that direction already with the, with the side stuff. So yeah, I I'm hoping that, that, you know, I mean, it's a sequel. They have to do more stuff. So I, I'm very interested to seeing what they're going to do and what changes they're going to make and improvements. Mm -hmm. But man, that one trailer sold me. <laughs> Yeah, it's the hype is real. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, and you called it. I, um, I like everything you everything you talked you said about Xenoverse Two. I completely agree with. The only thing I'm a little bit uh, disappointed about is like no localization for Dragon Ball Fusions. What's up with that? As a, you know, they'll probably announce it. I mean, they waited so long to announce the localization of Extreme Budokai. Um, That's true. Budokan, I think it's called. Uh, Extreme Budokan. Yeah, it then. it took yes. it took them so long to do that that I I'm not too worried about fusions. It it just better come. Like I don't care like <laughs> when. It just better come. I'm I'm really excited for both games. I, I, I'm like a Dragon Ball maniac, yeah, especially when we, it comes to the video are. games. And uh, I just hope Xenoverse Two extends the timeline. Um, because I know you mentioned inclusion of gt but if they include like everything that has happened up to the latest episode of dragon ball super which i believe it's uh episode 46 or 47 that'll be so dope because i mean xenoverse already has time travel and dragon ball super already has time travel slash interdimensional travel too i mean uh um so i would i would love to have what's his name oh i keep forgetting his name he's like the alternate an alternate version Saiyan from like universe number number eight, and he's now being taught by Vegeta, which is so badass. So I really? want, I want that. I want him. A, in I the have game. to start watching Super because I haven't seen any of it. I maybe seen the first two episodes, and I just I need to get into that series. Um, I want to see I want to see Vegeta's brother come back because he was in that one special, and I feel like he would be a great character that we haven't seen in a video game yet. So it'd be great to play as him. Um, even if he is weak, and Yo, then, um, that manga you showed me, I want, I want uh, Goku's mom to be played with character. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be great too. And if they can include some stuff, because I know in the trailer they did show Bardock. If they leaned into that a little bit more and showed us more of Planet Vegeta, maybe even before Frieza got there, and maybe even turn the whole dragon, um, the the Bardock special thing into its own mini like side quest where you go and see Bardock become super Saiyan. That'd be super cool. And, and I know the trailer mentioned, um, 
I forget the exact wording, but they essentially confirmed like alternate timelines and like what if stuff. Yes. And and that's always DBC Elseworlds. That's That's always my favorite part of the Dragon Ball Z games is just the stuff that you don't see in the series, like um any alternate stuff where you play as Brawly and kill everybody or (laughs) or or you see Vegeta go Super Saiyan three. Like all that stuff is like my favorite kind of stuff that they go into. And so I hope there's a lot more of that. And I hope there's more of a narrative to that stuff too. Because I know, because Xenoverse had that to an extent where you would do these side missions and it would be you on on the side of Frieza this time, for example, and you have to fight and defeat Goku and everybody else and help Frieza out, basically. I would be ex- I would be happy for that for that to come back, but I want to see more of like a narrative, like cutscenes and like dialogue for this Maybe alternate. Maybe some quick time events. There you go. Yeah, some alternate stuff going on. I want to see the cutscenes of that. Not not just I would be happy with just the side quest like the Xenoverse one, but I feel like because they put that line specifically in the trailer, they might be hinting at more like fleshed out kind of what if stuff, which I'm all about. Yes, is there a release date already? It said 2016. There's no specific stuff, but I'm hoping like holiday. I hope it doesn't get pushed to March, like quarter one seven 2017, because every game is already coming out then, like Mass Effect and yeah. I think um, Persona and just everything everything just is getting moved to that time frame. So I just mm-hmm. – I would like to play it sooner rather than later. Christmas 2016. Let's hope. Who? All right, Chris. Preacher? Oh, yeah. One last day. Yeah, Preacher. Preacher premieres tonight. Just a heads up. I know next to nothing about Preacher. Me too. I've just – I found out about Preacher because um, – all this news came out with uh, Seth Ro- Seth Rogen, you know, producing this TV show. Uh, apparently, him and his buddies are really huge fans. And now, I have a friend who who works or is he connected to AMC. And like w- way back on, he he got to watch the pilot early, and he said it's really really amazing. So uh, all I know, it's like supernatural western esque. Yeah, I'm gonna try. It. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna try it out. How about? You? Do you know anything about Preacher? I didn't know nothing except that it was a comic book. That's pretty much all I know about it. Stars a preacher, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess we could we could we could wiki yeah, this I shit. I don't know either. Uh, but you you watch it and you you let me know. All right, all right, hold on. I ha- I pulled it up. So this is from the wiki page, fulfilling a promise to his deceased father, one-time outlaw Jesse Custer returns home to West Texas to take over his dad's church. Jesse's mission, however, becomes twisted when his body is overcome by a cryptic force that unleashes within him a highly unconventional power. Together with his hell-raising ex-girlfriend, Tulip, and Irish vagabond Cassidy, the preacher in training embarks on a journey to find God in a world inhabited by holy, hellish, and everything in between characters. Uh, The darkly uh, comedic preacher is based on Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's popular 1990s comic book franchise with the same name. Executive producers include Sam Caitlin from Breaking Bad and Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg from Superbad and Neighbors. So I'm getting like Constantine, Hellraiser, but in in the West, and because it has demons and it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Sounds really cool. Yeah. I, I'm I'm digging some uh, Western stuff lately, especially since I heard that maybe Rockstar might be doing Red Dead Redemption too. Have you heard about that rumor? Uh, no. Please enlighten me. 
so this is an aside, but I, I heard I don't know from whence the rumor came, but it was just like stuff you see on Twitter or whatever. Apparently, Rockstar might be developing Red Dead Redemption Two. It might be a prequel. Um, apparently, a map leaked of the the location that the game is going to be taking place in. I I hope it's real because Red Dead Redemption was one of my favorite games last gen. It was just a really cool western, and I really like that they did the Undead Nightmare expansion. That that was so cool. Did you play that, Chris? No, I haven't actually. You never played. Did you play Red Dead Redemption at least? I played that, yeah, but not. Okay. I didn't actually. This is first time I heard of a, the the Undead Nightmare. DS. You never heard of Undead Nightmare? I'm, oh I, my goodness! There, you have to. Uh, I'm sorry. There's like really weird patches and holes in my video game history. I'm just, I'm so sorry. Okay, so Undead Nightmare is essentially um, you play as John Marston, the main character from Red Dead Redemption, but and it's just, it's pretty much the same area, except. There's some kind of curse that befalls the world, and everyone turns into zombies. Oh and so you're you're like this wild west, you know, cowboy trying to figure out why why all this stuff is happening. You're trying to save your wife and son. I think you're trying to like essentially f- figure out what's going on with the zombie apocalypse. And not only is it zombies, but there's all these like mythical creatures and side missions involving them. Like um, you could find the chupacabra. Um, there is a Bigfoot mission that goes on where you have to find Bigfoot, a bunch of Bigfoot, I think, Big Feet. I don't know what you <laughs> call feet. them. Um, some of the they have different kinds of zombies, and you you can get mythical horses. So you can get each horse of the apocalypse. So like pestilence. Holy shit! This um, sounds amazing. Yeah. So like one one will be like completely bones, and the and it'll be like all this. Like flies and shit flying around the horse, and there's one that's completely fire, which is like war, and so you get all these. It's it's like basically every um every myth and like legend and cryptozoological like animal is kind of running amok in this western in the wild west. Yeah, you gotta like you gotta hunt them down. So like you have to hunt down the chupacabra. You have to like kill all these zombies. It's 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 really cool. I it's like one of my favorite expansions. Is there? Is there like an HD remaster of Red Dead Redemption? No, but oh. I, I Jeez. would love one. Okay, well, uh, that I have to add that to the queue. Cause... But you know what the um the game of the year edition for the PS3 360 should be really cheap by now since it's okay. you know a few years out. Mm-hmm. But oh man, totally Undead it. Nightmare. That sounds so dope. Uh, that sounds like another Chris game. Oh, I'm so sad. Yeah, it's... yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thank you, Stan. All right, you're you're, so you're endless. You're endless well information. Yeah, I guess so. So that's it for Newsflash. Um, Chris, you got a topic yes, this week? Yes, I do. So like I, like I teased before, I'm going to talk about comics uh, or manga. I've been really, really wanting to read this for a long while. I picked it up uh, somewhat recently, but this morning, actually, uh, I had a chance to sit down with it for a couple hours and read it, and I couldn't be happier with it. So what I picked up is I Am a Hero by Kengo... Hanazawa, and my gosh, this is one of the greatest pieces of zombie fiction I've ever read. Um, really? Yes. It's like I'm super way behind on the Walking Dead comics, but I really want to give this to Andy and to have him read it, and you know, and maybe I'll I'll, I'll try to catch up with God, like a, like however many issues they they have in Walking Dead. So I think it's like 150 something right now. 
a billion and yes. a half. No, yeah, no, no kidding. But this book, it like reinvigorated zombies for me, and like it just it it, it portrayed the zombie story in like a fresh new light. And I cannot, I could not put down this book. So what I have here is the first omnibus. Dark Horse was really, really cool, um, and they licensed and translated the the first two volumes into this super large awesome omnibus so this came out sometime last month but i'm a hero has been around for a very long time it first came out in 2009 and it's ongoing and if i remember correctly it's in its 20th volume but wow i, I feel so deprived like just fi- just finding this out right now um i first found out about it on a facebook posted by Dark Horse, they, they were doing this pseudo-animated version of the manga, and they posted it in full color, and it was really interesting. I I didn't do any extra research about it. I just watched the trailer, found out the name, and when I walked into my local comic shops a month ago, I picked it up, and it's really cool. Story premise is um, there's this 35-year-old manga artist assistant his name is Hideo Suzuki. He's, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know if he has like an actual mental condition or if he, if his brain just is slightly unhinged due to his life circumstances. Um, and that's like, that's how his brain helped him cope with the reality of living how he, how he does. So he's 35. He's been trying to break into the manga scene. Which is a very, very, like a highly competitive, highly stressful uh, line of work. And he has a low paying job. He feels unfulfilled and frustrated. Plus, he's going through some relationship trouble uh, with his girlfriend. And he's almost a neat or hikokomori in Japan. That's a type of person in society where all they do is shut in, shut shut themselves indoors and don't interact with uh, reality and there's a bit there's a bit of a bad connotation in Japanese society. So life for Hideo is not going as well as he planned. On top of this, it's like I said before, it's not sh- he's like an unreliable narrator and he's not sure. He's highly paranoid. I feel like he's a paranoid sch- schizophrenic cuz he has 20 locks on his doors and he's, he he hallucinates a lot. So he has this f- imaginary friend or, or some hallucination that he talks to you all the time uh, named like Yashima. And randomly from time to time, he sees random demonic faces in the windows or like out while walking about. And he constantly talks to himself and he has really a lot of trouble expressing his thoughts and feelings. And because of that inability, it also feeds into his general self-perceived shittiness of his life. But one day, he, he he's walking home from work, and he witnesses an accident. A taxi hits this this young girl, she, but she after a bit getting hit, her neck is broken, and she gets up and walks away. So it's it's implied she's a, she's an undead. But Hideo doesn't know whether or not he it's real because he he has so many hallucinations to begin with. And from that point on, actually, the the first two volumes take place over the course of like two days. So he, he starts witnessing like these strange occurrences around Japan, uh, which really which indicate like a real life outbreak of zombieism or something close to that. Um, and it's him trying to 
it's him going throughout his life as all like all of Japan starts to like crumble and implode, and it it boils and then it, things become get to breaking point when his girlfriend gets infected, and he and then all of Japan just explodes. It's like the first scene, first moments of the Dawn of the Dead remake where all of Japan is like crumbling and being attacked by zombies, and he has to survive. While reading this, I found that I found myself connecting to zombie tropes most closely related to uh, like Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland, minus the humor. Um, this is like a very gruesome, grisly, serious tale. It, it's a lot like Zombieland and Shaun of the Dead because it, it, it seems to revolve around this theme that the people who you least suspect end up being either surprisingly good at surviving zombies or just tend to be extremely, extremely lucky. And this cannot be the truer for Hideo because the title of the, the manga is kind of ironic because I, I Am Hero, uh, I Am A Hero is like this personal moniker that he chants to himself. And Hideo, if you spell out his name in kanji, um, the same kanji can actually be used to spell out the word for hero and feeding into his general psyche he often feels he's a secondary character in his own story so he doesn't feel like the hero he doesn't feel like the protagonist but for some reason like similar to shot of the dead where you know he goes through the motions of the zombie apocalypse like unscathed like he go he has so many close calls this kid has the craziest luck and he ends up being this inspiration later, later on, much later, he, he been, ends up being this inspirational force to give others hope and to help others cope through the apocalypse as well. Um, and I found that really interesting because he's not, he is not someone that is befitting of a hero. And to be honest, I don't, he doesn't really grow into a, a like a true hero figure. Like he doesn't have any real particular or extraordinary set of skills. Remember Max Brooks of uh, World War Z, that one vignette where it had the Hikokomori, like, or the otaku who spent all this time uh, researching facts about the zombie apocalypse? And, yeah. you know, he, he's not even like that. He doesn't have, like, like in-depth information about zombies or about, like, uh, statistics or data. Like, he's just a manga artist. So he's, he's, not, he's not really extraordinary. He doesn't have, like, great physical stamina skill. He doesn't have a lot of, like, strategic mind. Plus, he has quote-unquote, like, disadvantages, you know, being crazy and ha having hallucinations. The only advantage he does have, which sets him apart from a lot of other people in Japan, he's one of the very few people in Japanese society to legally own a gun. Specifically, he, he owns a sporting shotgun. But even that is a mm. liability because he's so... Like, he's so stringent about the proper care and maintenance and laws about Japanese gun ownership that for the first, like, X amount of time where the zombie apocalypse is going to shit, he refuses to use the shotgun because of Japanese law. So even then, he's not really useful. But, like, how he inspires and how, he, like, just how just how he is, like, just... And, like, for some reason, he, he turned... His magic power is turning the world... As shitty as it is, towards his advantage, even if he's trying or not. Like, this kid, he's he's the most luckiest kid in the world. The extent to which the, the world has gone to shit, it's pretty, it's really bad. 
is you have the zombie apocalypse, and not only the zombies, they're a mix of like Dawn of the Dead and Twenty Eight Days Later. They're super strong, they're super fast, and they also retain a semblance of like their former selves, which is why I thought the the author who was injecting comedy into this book, even though I don't think he meant to. Like one of the funniest things I laughed at was um, Hideo was escaping was escaping this like, apartment complex where his girlfriend lives, and the landlady she zombified and she attacks a guy. Then she sees Hideo. There's a there's like this twelve page chase scene where Hideo is being chased by this crazy landlady zombie. And the entire time, she's screaming at him, rent money, rent money. And I kept cracking up. Because, like, I didn't know whether or not this was supposed to be hilarious, like a joke or not. Um, but man, and, and in terms of art, it's incredible. It's, it's hyper-realistic. It's really detailed. And it gets into levels of body horror that are like, like Junji Ito level body horror. It's kind of it's kind of unsettling and amazing. Um, fun fact: Junji Ito also did a short story uh, based on this manga. Uh, there was, it was published, I think, really recently, like February two thousand sixteen. The pacing for some it might turn people off, but the, I thought it was really great. Like the first the first volume was an extreme slow burn. It takes them twelve or thirteen chapters for shit to finally hit the fan. But I really enjoyed it because it just establishes like the slice of life and gives you a really grounded foundation of what kind of character Hideo is. And then it sprinkles clues and foreshadowings of the zombie apocalypse throughout the story. And then until like chapter 13, like everything goes to hell. And then the next 13, 14 chapters, it, it all takes place within the span of like less than I don't know, like 24 hours, maybe even less, maybe 12 hours. It's just nonstop action. And it's like a really nice foil to the first volume. And now it's at a super crazy cliffhanger. And this is uh, this is the first two books. I don't know when Dark Horse is going to publish the next omnibus, but now I'm craving to find out. And apparently this, the, the zombies are like the direction of the story gets Cra- like even crazier like like Resident Evil style like apparently people can be immune to zombies and apparently people uh because of the infection gain like enhanced superhuman Wesker like powers it's like oh shit I need to read th- I need to get to that point so I cannot write I, I know I rambled a long time but I cannot this book I'm a hero you, uh, you know when I see you and Andy I'm gonna force this upon you because this this okay. the story is so good and um sounds interesting yeah it's so good and oh also last month they um japan released a live action movie and apparently the movie re- the movie reviews are stellar better than attack on titan way better than uh, yes a very faithful <laughs> adaptation and uh uh and unlike attack on titan the movie they used a lot of practical effects which is really awesome all right, thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem. I can't wait to read this thing. Yes. I'm gonna steal it from you when you Excellent. when you come visit. Or I can just mail it, or just you know throw it at you after I hug you, because you're gonna be graduated, and it's gonna be and it's gonna be amazing. Knock on wood. All right, so this is the part of the show where we talk about our upcoming releases for this week. Um, every Wednesday, new comics come out, and so every Wednesday 
we're going to talk about the ones that we're going to pick up each and every week. So, Chris, what you got this week? Um, okay, well, I'm going to hold off of one because it's also on your list, but I have a pretty short list. First one is Legacy of Luther Strode, number six. This is the last issue of the series, of the entire run of the Luther, mm. Luther Strode trilogy. Uh, I know I mentioned this before on and off in past episodes, um, but uh, Justin Jordan and Trad Moore, two of my favorite comic book guys ever. This last issue is like the final standoff or uh, final battle between Luther Strode and Kane. And for those who don't remember, uh, Luther Strode, he's a kid uh, who magically gains superhuman powers and strength from one of those old-timey classic ads you find in the back of comic books. Like It was called the Hercules Method. And it's like, follow these six steps and you'll become... You'll have the strength of Hercules and whatnot. And this actually does happen. So through the course of these three books, Luther Strode finds out that the Hercules Method is tied to this crazy network, crazy conspiratorial secret society of, of this death cult. Uh, the man at the top is Kane. Pretty much, Luther Strode has been killing his way to the top and fleeing the law while still trying to be a vigilante. It evolved more into a revenge, vengeance tale. The big battle is in this last issue, and I'm really excited. And a uh, fun fact, Justin Jordan, he released a whole bunch of merchandise for Luther Strode. And I, I was the first one to buy like a t-shirt from him, and he was like, awesome, if, show me proof that you, you bought a t-shirt, and I'll give you a signed paper paperback uh, edition of the Legacy line. And I got it. And it's in lock, so I'm gonna. So next month, I'll be, I'll be getting a signed copy, and it's gonna be yes. So I'm really excited. Nice. Um, so I cannot recommend um, the Luther Strode series. Other than that, um, there's this one other comic I had absolutely no idea existed, and I'm not sure if you knew about it, or knew about it, Stan. It's called X Men: um, colon, Worst X Men Ever, and the fourth issue came. Uh, out this week and apparently Magneto's trying to recruit this kid who happens to be the worst X-Men ever and mind you I have no idea what this comic is about except for the fact or just for the, the basic premise where there's this kid who he's unremarkable and mediocre in every way and he finds out he's a mutant but apparently he's the worst mutant ever um, but he's, he also attends Xavier's school I probably would have to pick up the first three issues so I can find them but just the just the title grabbed my attention. Uh, I have you heard of this comic? I have, but I didn't read any of it, so I don't okay. know what it's about either. But uh, yeah, so those are my two pulls plus the one that's also on your list, which is DC Rebirth Special Number One. Yeah, um, the best comic that you know that is apparently so special that they needed a Tuesday night midnight release for it. Has has DC ever done anything like that? Like this before? I don't think anybody's ever done that before. Have our midnight release of a comic crazy. book, like a two a two ninety nine comic book. I I I don't know. Uh, it's gonna be eighty pages long, and it's gonna be the catalyst for the rest of the rebirth line. Um, I don't know what happens. A bunch of stuff about it leaked online, but I've been purposely avoiding it because I don't I don't want to know. I want to read it on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Um, but if you pick it up on Tuesday night, apparently there's a special midnight release variant cover wait is that the, the um, Sistine chapel cover i don't know i didn't 
the one where they're all touching the thing. Yeah, there's like those like a no, hand coming out of the lightning. That's the standard. That's the standard. Okay. Um, so what's issue. the variant? I don't know. Okay. I just remember seeing it on the Midtown Comics website, so I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm probably not gonna go at midnight. I don't. I don't I'm not that. I'm not that crazy about it. <laughs> but I'll, I'll definitely be picking it up on Wednesday. Uh, I just want to see what's gonna happen. Other than that, Batgirl Fifty Two is coming out. That's the last issue of New Fifty Two Batgirl before the Rebirth um, series. Uh, that's gonna be interesting. Scooby Apocalypse number one comes out too. Um, those are that's the series that Jim Lee did the character designs for, and it, it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to be the Scooby crew dealing with the, an, an actual apocalypse, and all the monsters are real during the apocalypse. And um, everything, every, I don't know if I'm gonna read it. I mean, I'm gonna read the first issue i don't know if i'm gonna collect the series but it looks interesting enough that i want to check it out so i i have no expectations for this i have no idea how it's gonna be um with future quests i kind of had an idea that they were gonna do like this avengers-esque thing where they got all the action the hanna-barbera action cartoons together mm-hmm. so i kind of had an idea of what to expect with this i'm not sure um the closest thing that i ever have to to an idea what this could be is that Scooby Doo movie Zombie Island. You I see love that, that movie. That I love that one too, where they're like all a little older and they've all been out of the game for a while, and then they go to the Zombie Island and there's actual zombies. I love that. I love that movie because the monsters are real, and apparently the monsters are going to be real here. I don't know how much they're going to lean into it and how graphic this might be or how skewed towards adults this might be because this is kind of targeted towards the people who grew up with scooby-doo but i know that there's an actual scooby-doo ongoing with dc where it's the more family-friendly versions of the characters so i don't know what what the direction is with this which is why i'm kind of interested in picking up this comic um there's also superman lois and clark number eight i think that's the end of the lois and clark mini um i could be wrong but i think it this is the end before clark joins the main dc um universe like in place of new 52 superman also superman 52 comes out the last issue of superman before the rebirth um it's also the last issue of the super league uh mini well not mini but the super league um storyline that's going on where superman new 52 superman is dying and he's looking for people to replace him and he meets with um pre-52 superman so I guess this issue is where he's going to die and pre-52 Superman's going to take over. Um, also, Star Wars 19 comes out. Uh, I haven't been following Star... I mean, I've been buying the issues, but I haven't been reading them lately because I'm not as interested in Star Wars as I used to be, but I want a nice round number, like 20 or 25, before I stop collecting them. And I also want to finish the Obi-Wan storyline. Um, so, I don't know exactly what's going on with Star Wars. Squirrel Girl 8 also coming out. They're kicking off a new storyline. Issue 7 was a filler issue. It was the um, Choose Your Own Adventure comic, which is really which is really fun. Um, but now they're starting a new arc with 8. So I'm interested in reading what's going to go on with that. Aliens Defiance 2 comes out. I'm probably not going to collect it, but I like Aliens Defiance number 1. And I feel like I should, have men- I should mention it this week that it's a good series. And I'm probably going to wait for the trade. But issue 2 comes out this week also. 
And yeah, that was that's the <laughs> that's all the comics. That's, that's a, lot a lot of comics, comics this um, week. Yeah, but uh, it's more... I mean, I, I DC is not price gouging you. I mean, they're all like what two ninety nine, I think. Well, no, DC Rebirth is two ninety nine, and, and it's eighty pages long, so that's pretty that's pretty cool. Um, but the the remain well, Batgirl is also two ninety nine, but the Superman books are still at three ninety nine. Um, they're not going to go back to the two ninety nine pricing until after until after this week, I think. Once they once they start the new number ones, those are all going to be two ninety nine, and the Action Comics renumbering will also be two ninety nine. So this is just the last week of a bunch of DC books, and so that's why there's so many books on my list this week. You know, uh, but yeah, that was that's the pulls for this week. Okay, all right, Stan, your topic. Okay, uh, I'm just going to talk about a couple of comics that I picked up this week. I'm not going to go crazy in depth with them, but I just wanted to mention each one. Um, did you read Future Quest, Chris? Uh, I actually, I haven't. My bad. Okay, um, Future Quest is really cool. I know we talked about it last week, um, and I mentioned it a few minutes ago. Uh, it's all the Hanna-Barbera action car- cartoons kind of teaming up. Um, you got Space Ghost, Birdman, Johnny Quest, the Herculoids, uh etc etc it's it's a really cool book i like it a lot it's it's um in future quest you kind of get the origin of space ghost before he was became this space ghost and it also ties into a potential cthulhu-esque elder god threat that's gonna threaten the universe or the oh multiverse god, or whatever so good <laughs> and it it picks up with johnny quest and haji kind of doing their own thing and flying around the Florida, like Everglades or whatever. And you find out that their father, Benton Quest, you know, Dr. Quest, he's sort of been trying to find out what's going on with these weird um, portals that's been opening up around Florida. And essentially, these vortexes are what's going to create the eventual crossover. Like Space Ghost, I think, comes through one of the portals or something like that. One of the villains from Johnny Quest is trying to also figure out what's going on with the Vortexes because they want the remains of the Elder God that they killed, the Space Ghost killed before he became Space Ghost. And because it's trying to like come back together, I think, but he's trying to find the smaller pieces because he figures he can control the, the smaller pieces and not the whole thing. So So that's what's going on. What's cool is that Birdman comes to see Dr. Bannon. And um, I forgot what the hell is his name. He's got he's got an actual he's got an actual secret identity. What Birdman? Yeah, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. He's not Harvey Birdman. <laughs> okay. Um, Tell that to Adult Swim, man. I don't know what his name is. What the hell is his name? <laughs> it's Harvey Hold Birdman. <laughs> no. Okay, so. His name is Ray Randall, according Ray to the Hanna Barbera. What kind of name Ray is that? Ray Randall, according to the Hanna Barbera cartoon, he is an ordinary human endowed by the sun god Ra. So he gets his powers from the sun. You know, he's Birdman. He goes Birdman, Bird right? That whole thing. I love that shit. Um, Birdman, Ray Randall is part of this agency that's that's working for the government, I think, and then they're trying to figure out what's going on with these vortexes because Doctor Bannon called them in. To, to say that there's something going on. And so he shows up. And then 
the the evil doctor guy who's going after the vortexes is also coming to Florida because a huge group of vortexes open up and you can actually see inside them. So you can see all the different cartoons and stuff happening inside the little vortexes while um, Johnny and Haji and race are dealing with the doctors, like giant weird eyeball robots and shit that are trying to like get at the vortexes. And then you have Birdman and Dr. Bannon talking about what's going on, pretty much setting the backstory up. And so essentially one of the Herculoids, the the weird um, Triceratops guy, right, comes through one of the portals and is dead. Oh no! And 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 Johnny Cust and Haji come across it, and also one of the giant eyeball robots are trying to like bring it back as a sample or something. And then, um, so that's going on. And at the same time, Doctor Bannon and Birdman find out that something is going wrong, and so Birdman becomes birdman he, he goes with he brings his fucking bird the, the purple guy avenger and they're gonna go find out what's going on in in the swamp and then johnny quest and haji get away and that's when space ghost comes out of like the lake he just like shows up and he's like i'm here to kill you and they're like oh shit like what's going on and um so that's where the issue actually ends up like setting up the bigger thing so this is just pretty much a setup laying the foundation for the future of the the series and i think it's pretty cool because i i like the fact that one of the herculoids like is dead in the, in the first issue because it's Dan, like how surprised were you when like the herculoid just popped out he's dead it's crazy because it's like these are all the cartoons i watched when i was a kid and so to see not only them all interacting like it's the the way I, I described it in my brain, even though it's a DC comic, is watching the Avengers movie for the first mm. time. Because you saw all these other singular movies with all the other characters in it. And then they're finally interacting at once. So it's like you grew up watching like Space Ghost, Birdman, Johnny Quest, Herculoids. And now you're seeing you're reading this comic and they're finally like crisscrossing and like interacting. And you realize that they exist in the same universe or that... They're, they are all going to soon exist in the same universe. And then to see one of the cartoon characters fucking die in the first issue is pretty crazy because it sets up, like, the stakes are pretty high. Like, they can die. Things can go can go down. Um, before Space Ghost becomes Space Ghost, they, they only call him Captain, and he's, like, the leader of this um, kind of almost like the Green Lantern Corps kind of um, organization. And they're all trying to take out this giant Cthulhu like monster that you don't really get to see. And so they all, all the, like the core, I'm just going to call them the core. They're not the really, they're not green lanterns, but they all shoot beams out of their, like their fists or some (laughs) shit like space ghost does. And they all do that. And they're all like trying to shoot all their beams at the, at the monster all at once. And, um, space Ghost, the captain, he's got like blonde hair. He looks like a Steve Rogers type. And he's the only one that survives. All the, the the whole rest of them all get killed in this final battle. And then all that's left is you see him like his suits all ripped up. He's on his knees and he's like it's it's done. And there's just like all like dust and like destruction all around him. And he's the only one left. And I was like, this is some crazy shit. Like everyone just gets blown away except Space Ghost. Maybe that's why I become Space Ghost. You know, maybe he's just like I'm the ghost of this <laughs> of this core. That's his Uncle Ben it's, moment. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's really cool and um. So I'm really excited to see this shit go down 
and see all these characters happen. I want to see Birdman fight Space Ghost. Oh, I dude. think that would be really cool. Oh. That's like that's like the Hanna Barbera world's finest. What I'm right what there. I'm getting out of this is one, I need to pick up this issue ASAP, and two, I want this to be a, an animated movie. This oh, that would be so awesome. So good. Yeah, I was you know I was really interested in Future Quest when they announced all those um, Hanna Barbera comics coming out. Future Quest was immediately shot to the top of my list, and I was like, this looks amazing. And I I love Space Ghost. I love Space Ghost and Birdman and Johnny Quest before they were like parodies on Adult Swim. I felt like out of all of them, I watched uh, I watched uh, what's it? Oh my god, Birdman! I watched Birdman the most, and I just I just I could just yeah. hear it clear as day, like Birdman. Yeah, I was I was I watched a hell of a lot of Johnny Quest Yo, growing Johnny up. Quest. And and Birdman and Space Ghost and like occasionally like there'd be an, an episode of Herculoids in between there and I'd be like I I to this day have no idea what the hell the plot of the Herculoids are <laughs> doesn't matter except that they're, that they're like that they're crazy prehistoric monster people or something. Speaking of Johnny Quest, but, ha, do you remember the real adventures of Johnny Quest when they went when they when they when they yeah, dived into yeah. Quest I World? Remember, that shit was listen, so dope. Oh my god, I miss that show. I remember the opening of that stupid cartoon so well where it's all like that black and green like CG stuff. And it's like, <laughs> you know, and it goes through all of them. Oh, my God. My favorite episode of that show was they're in this haunted house and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And the, clearly the best way is to go into Quest World VR and to explore the house that way. And all of a sudden there's like this red orb that's stalking him within quest world that shoot that that, has, that grows blades out of it and it's like what is going on and as a kid that was like one of the scariest things i've ever seen in my life that and like all you afraid <laughs> are you afraid of the dark with nickelodeon yeah so this one really this comic for sure like brought back all that nostalgia and it was great seeing these characters as they were originally intended to be seen and not necessarily... Like, I love the Adult Swim stuff, like Space Ghost Coast, Coast to Coast and Harvey Birdman. I love those cartoons a lot, but there's there's something really special about seeing these characters, like, reinvigorated f- from the ways that they, they used to be and they were originally conceived and seeing it fleshed out more. And it just... It just... It feels classic and epic in scale at the same time it's treating the characters with respect it's you know it's catering to the generations that grew up with them and um i'm sure there's a there's a bunch of people out there who never heard of it before but now they're like what the hell is this this is really cool and then and then now like you know dads and moms and grandparents can all watch it up with their kids and like this is the stuff i grew up on and it's cool to see it like see them all like modernized and have this not necessarily darker turn, but more like high stakes and and serious and grounded. Even though there's like space ghosts and and bird people and stuff. Yeah, so this this is a great series. There's there's more of there's they show on the cover a lot of other heroes and characters from other Hanna Barbera are action cartoons, but they weren't in this issue. Um, I'm not as familiar with the other ones, just the main ones that I mentioned. I I want to see. Um, he he's not on this cover, but I want to see him anyway. It's the um, Dino <gasps> Mutt and, and yes! the Blue Falcon. Yeah, I I want to see them in this in this shit so bad. Like I want to see them team up, like make it the Hanna Barbera oh Trinity God. of just Space Ghost, Birdman, and fucking Dude, Blue Falcon. That would be like the best. I love Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. Just throwing Dexter. 
Come on, please, please. <laughs> I know, I know. Dexter shows up in other comics, but I just want him. I want him back. Ugh. Yeah. So Future Quest is highly, I highly recommend it. I think it's it's good enough, honestly, that you can get into it without having seen any of the Hanna Barbera cartoons. But if you've grown up with these cartoons, if you've seen these cartoons before, it's it's a total trip to read this series. So, hundred percent recommend it. Um. The other two books that I picked up this week that I'll just briefly touch on is All New Wolverine number eight and Superman American Alien number seven. All New Wolverine is the Road to Civil War storyline is starting now. So this issue has Laura being contacted by S.H.I.E.L.D. because Logan went missing while he was investigating this mysterious box. And this mysterious box has this weird goo in it. And the weird goo has this weird smell in it. And the smell attracts Fing Fang Fing Foom. Foom. So, yeah, the the giant dragon guy. You I know, never I heard know, of Fing Fang I know, Foom? I know, I know, Fing Fang Foom. I'm just really surprised. All right. <laughs> yeah, he he shows up in this book, and he's there, and he attacks the shield hel- helicarrier, and Laura is investigating what the box is, and Fing Fang Foom shows up, and Laura essentially figures out that Fing Fang Foom probably ate Logan. <laughs> And so she decides to jump inside of his mouth at the end of the issue. So that's pretty much what this issue is about. Um, Tom Taylor writes Old New Wolverine, and he does a great job, and it's consistently really good. Um, Wait, uh, Stan, is this, the, but, is this the issue with like the Reservoir Dogs looking cover, or is that something else? No, that's going to be Old New Wolverine Annual, and that's going to have Laura teaming up with Spider-Gwen. So I cannot wait for that issue. This is this is essentially um, the beginning of the Civil War, two stuff on her her like tie into it. Uh, she's apparently not going to be directly involved with Civil War, but what she's doing is going to have some sort of side importance to the main conflict or something. Um, yeah, I kind of didn't want her to meet Old Man Logan yet, but she acknowledges in the book that she that he isn't her logan and so she regards him as kind of like a stranger or like this just old this weird old man or something and he has he doesn't show up in this issue yet but i'm pretty much figuring that issue nine is going to be when they finally do cross paths so i'm interested in seeing that um i don't necessarily think old man logan needed to be in in old new Wolverine, especially so soon, it's only eight, nine issues, but I'm, I trust the creators like interested to see where, where the storyline goes. And, um, Superman American alien number seven, uh, Max Landis is writing this mini. This is the last issue. Um, it's a great mini. The whole, the whole, all seven issues have been really good. And they're essentially small, small snapshots of Superman's life. Um, from when he was a kid all the way up until his first large-scale encounter, which is in issue 7, where he fights Lobo. Uh, Lobo comes to Earth looking for something, and he destroys a building in Metropolis and kills a lot of people. And Superman gets involved. It's a pretty it's a pretty violent encounter. This is the first time Superman fights anybody who has his sort of um, strength and resistance to damage. So they get into it pretty hard. Lobo is a total asshole in this issue. Um, he's such an asshole that I completely hate the character now because just Superman shows up and he's like, please leave. Cause he just blew up a building and killed a lot of people. He's like, please just leave the planet. 
and essentially Lobo just tells him to fuck off more or less <laughs> and and he tells Clark that he's the last Kryptonian and which he doesn't know at this point so he finds out through Lobo telling him that he essentially what Lobo tells him is that he knows Krypton is blown up because he and his friends when he was younger used to go to the to the debris of Krypton on their like space motorcycles and find skulls of Kryptonians and piss oh in them. Oh my god. And I'm like, are you I fucking hate Lobo now. Like how are you gonna wow. say kind of shit like that? And he actually makes Superman cry. Like he, he starts tearing up when he starts telling him this stuff. And there's this moment where Lois Lane shows up in a helicopter and she's recording the conver- confrontation between the two of them. And he's like, Superman's like, get off this planet right now. And Lobo's like, I'm, how are you, like, how shocked do you think everyone's going to be if they see you getting your teeth knocked down your throat? And Superman goes, not as surprised as they're going to be as when they see me shove your motorcycle up your ass. <laughs> and, and everyone watching on TV gets shot. Like his parents get shocked. Um, Lex Luthor is watching and then he laughs. He thinks that's like hilarious. And then they get into this really violent confrontation and it's just this real knockdown drag out fight where like Superman's grabbing, um, pay meters and like knocking Lobo across the face and like punching him in the head. And like Lobo tries to gouge out Superman's eyes and then he shoots his like laser beams out of his eyes and burns off Lobo's fingers. And it's just this huge fight and then superman ends up throwing lobo into space <laughs> and it's just it's crazy and it, it it's it's a great issue um it's great seeing superman like react the way that he does and to see him still be a hero even though lobo pro- like provokes him so hard and yeah it's a great end to a great series and i highly recommend american alien but yeah those are the three books that i picked and up. Debbie Trejo should be Lobo in the DC movies because he he he, he so many times he's like I want to play Lobo. It's like I we should give it to him and they should do that storyline. That'd be should, such yeah. a cool storyline to see on the big screen. He's he's yeah he would be really good as Lobo I think. But um, I I know I was never a fan of Lobo. I didn't I never really cared much for him. But this issue sold me on how much I actually <laughs> hate him. Therefore, he's a, a good villain. He's like uh, uh, yeah yeah like. That he he portrays a heel really well, um, but yeah, Superman, American Alien, highly recommended Excellent. series. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, thanks to you, I'm I'm a convert. Um, because I I picked it up and then I kind of just forgot about it and then you started reading it again and I, I then I read issue one and it was like oh my god this is amazing so I'm um I'm sad that this was only a mini series and it's over but. I have the trade to look forward to, so I can pick it up and read it. And now, now there's this amazing Lobo fight at the end to look forward to. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good fight. Um, very violent. Yeah, and this is the first issue of the comic, I think, where Superman's in his full Superman costume. Um, I think up until this point, he's just been. I think in issue six, he was also like Superman, Superman, not like the, the whole black suit goggles thing from issue uh, five but he wasn't it, it was mostly clark you didn't get to see superman this you get to see superman be superman and his costume looks really cool the way it shows up in this in the series and so the costume looks cool the fight's cool and the conclusion to the mini is like pretty pretty spot on i really like it all right so that's that's our topics um we're gonna close out the show on our special topic this week um 
Chris earlier in the week on the Facebook group posted a video that was essentially promo for X-Men Apocalypse. That was a sort of train, like a recruitment video for the Xavier school, um, by like hosted by Jubilee. And it was like from the eighties, looked very corny VHS um, tracking in a good way. Look. It's yeah. so good. It, it looked really cool. Um, and so that got me thinking. And so this week's special topic is, would you rather be a mutant and attend Xavier's Institute? Or would you rather be a wizard slash witch and attend Hogwarts? So I, I brought this to the group and a bunch of people in the group voted on what they thought they'd rather do, which is great. Thank you guys for participating. Um, Chris, what do you think? What's uh, your answer? I voted for being a wizard slash witch. Uh, and attending Hogwarts. Um, Why? Well, here, okay, here's my reasoning. Because being a wizard, yeah, there's... From what we learned from the Dursleys, there has to be some portion of the populace that is very anti-wizard and very anti-magic, and they have nothing to do with it. But with Hogwarts and the plot magic that is wizard magic, you know, most of... Most, if not, if not all, Muggle society doesn't know that Wizarding Society exists, except for small pockets of exceptions like, you know, what wizards coming from Muggle families, or the Prime Minister of the British government was informed by Rufus when he was the Minister of Magic and when Voldemort was waging war on, on, the, on, on the world again. And so he, the, the situation was so dire that Rufus actually had to tell the British Prime Minister about what's going on. So Wizarding Society is largely isolated from Muggle Society. And because of that, you don't get all the shitty stuff that happens to you when you're a mutant. Being a mutant is a an allegory for being any, any oppressed and discriminated and hated minority. Um, you know, it could be... Being part of the LGBT community, it could be being uh, like uh, an African American during the '60s. Mutants universally, they're just being treated like shit, and they're being hunted down. Whether it's from the Sentinels or the general public, you know, rioting, and then you have Senator Kelly wanting to do the Men- Mutant Registration Act, and it must, it, as cool as it might, it is to have mutant powers. You know, whether it be like teleportation or, you know, you can shoot laser beams, you know, it just in general, most of society hates you. Thank God you have like Professor X not only teaches you how to control your powers, he instills hope and humanity uh, within mutants. Like he, he tries to teach you, you know, humanity is not, is not our enemies. There's going to be a future in which humans and mutants can, can coexist. But at the same time, the X mansion is always being blown up. And, you know, and you're, you're given crazy apocalyptic scenarios all the time. You know, you have to save the world, but it's also a thankless job. But again, you're a hero. So maybe that comes with the territory, but still the mutants saved the world many times over and they're still hated and they're still treated like shit. Going to Hogwarts, I mean, uh, asides, asides from like two points in history with like Grindelwald and Voldemort, well, the, the two times Voldemort's reign was around, you know, being a wizard was pretty okay. I mean, you go to school for seven years and you learn magic, you learn how to transmute stuff, you you can turn yourself into animals, you can play sports on broomsticks, and you can drink amazing things like butterbeer and all these crazy candies and... 
Yeah, being a wizard sounds pretty awesome, and if it weren't for Voldemort, you would live the life pretty, pretty, a good life being a wizard. So yeah, that's that's my argument. How about you? Yeah, I I mean I think you got pretty much the crux of my argument too. Is that um, being a wizard is kind of less problematic because you're you're kind of protected. There's like a whole society built in place for magical people there's a whole magic society there's they have like they have a bank they have schools they have government they're all set like they're they're the hidden sect of society that muggles don't see but they're all set except for those um couple of times that voldemort wanted to be an asshole right um if you're a mutant it's kind of a crapshoot of what kind of mutant you're gonna be you know, you could be... You could be the worst X-Men, like in that comic I just talking about. <laughs> yeah, you your your power can be essentially anything, or it could be nothing. You know, your, your, your mutant power could be that you have, like, gills <laughs> sometimes. Like, every Tuesday you, you have gills, so you gotta go in the pool. You know, like, that's your mutant power. It's completely useless, but that's what happened. Or you could end up becoming somebody like you know cyclops where you're you got to wear some specialized prescription glasses because you will murder everybody if you blink or you could be honestly the only the only x-men that i can think of who doesn't have a hard time is storm storm why storm because storm's got fucking weather powers that's true and she looks normal and she's never had to deal with some crazy ass phoenix force nonsense like Jean Grey, she's never been the Weapon X program like Wolverine. She doesn't have shit coming out of, out of her fucking eyes like Cyclops. She she doesn't have a useless ass power like Jubilee. She doesn't have to constantly contend with all like psychic like onslaught from combining with fucking Magneto like Charles Xavier. Right? He doesn't have. She doesn't have a shitty ass half brother like fucking Juggernaut. You know, Magneto. You know, fuck Storm's got the best. The best deal. She was briefly married to fucking T'Challa. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Storm has a good. I, I, okay. Storm has a pretty good, right? She was queen of fucking uh, Wakanda for a while. Yeah. What about Colossus? I mean, did Colossus have it, have it bad? I mean, I, You know what? No, because he drank vodka and he probably suplexed bears and, and yeah, and he grows, he, and he's got a metal beard. A metal beard? Um, yeah. Well, Colossus, he had this, that brief stint where his sister got trapped in hell and then obtained demon hell powers and then came back and she aged from like 12 to 18 and i'm sure that would that was very traumatic for colossus but uh yeah so it's like honestly it's roulette you know you could you could end up being some something like really nice or something really bad plus if you're storm you'd be like oh like fucking like oh man it's raining today oh guess not sunny day gonna go tan at the beach you know or you'd be like oh man it's really cold outside let me bring out the sun plus her impeccable fashion sense i mean mohawk storm there is only mohawk storm she's the greatest mohawk storm is honestly the most stylish looking x-men she really is yeah and also like like you said their x-mansion's always blowing up Deadpool makes that point all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, how many times... Like, the the fucking danger room you gotta deal with? Like, the, the fucking room trying to kill you? The danger room became an actual sentient thing yeah. that tried to kill the X-Men. Then again, like, the age that we are right now, if we had gone to Hogwarts when we were supposed to, we would have gone to Hogwarts at the same time as Harry Potter. Exactly. 
and we would have had to deal with Voldemort. So either way, we're kind of like <laughs> out we, of luck. We could we could have been dead. Our families could, could have been, been dead. A lot of people died during during uh, the sixth and seventh yeah. book. So I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. But I would probably go to Hogwarts just because butter beer. And, and like jelly beans. Would we go to Hogwarts? I mean, because like, uh, with with J.K. Rowling, with her Pottermore stuff, she established that there are other schools. Like, there's an American wizarding school. Well, yeah, you're right. But I was thinking like from, you know, from what from what is established and known would be like Hogwarts. If you got to choose, if we didn't get a choice and we were wizards, we would go to the American wizarding school, which I think is gonna show up in the um fantastic beasts which i'm super excited to watch i i can't wait to watch it um so i guess we both picked hogwarts i guess we can ask andy next week what he thinks but um mm-hmm. the community also voted and they're kind of in our corner 16 people voted for hogwarts and only nine voted to be a mutant in xavier's institute so thanks everyone for voting although Going back to, um, wow, what was Colossus' sister's name? Wow, this is... Oh, magic. Ha, wow. So magic, She she's both a mutant and she can do magic. I, I, I'm pretty sure she, she trained under, like, uh, Doctor Strange at one time. Or she, she is training under Doctor Strange, I think. Maybe Doctor Strange is, like, one of the professors at, at the American uh, Wizarding School. <laughs> okay, okay. Happy compromise. <laughs> Mutants can go to Hogwarts. But only if you're inclined towards magic. Exactly. Well, that's true. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you decide to become a mutant, you don't know what you're gonna get. That's true. So. But if you if you if you turn into or if you're a mutant and let's say you have a crappy power, couldn't you just find your wizarding friend to like unmutant you or just like suppress like the the bad ill effects of being a mutant? Like I don't know if there's like any kind of magic like that. I mean, there's the polyjuice potion, but that's temporary. That's true. Hmm. I don't think I, I I think it's too much of a leap right now. Too too many missing holes. Yeah. But uh, do you want to peep some comments that people mentioned? Sure. You got any comics you want to read? Uh, yeah. Chris? Okay. Let's see. So friend of the show, Ryan, she she said, "I'm still waiting for my Hogwarts letter." All in caps. <laughs> <laughs> I Me think we too. all are. Well, I think we all are. Yeah. Um, Mike Berkman. Uh, he he said. I'm not even a huge Harry Potter fan, but it seems like, other than that Voldemort thing, less people are, are trying to kill you there. Um, which is true. true. I mean... There's some, like, class classism in Hogwarts. Like, the Slytherins kind of seem to be, like, the 1% over there. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you gotta deal with, like, social issues, but not life-threatening issues too often. I, I think the the chances of dying are very low in Hogwarts. I mean, uh, I mean unless you're... You're you're like a troublemaker, like the Marauders or or Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Like the, their first aid magic technology is amazing. Harry yeah. regrew his entire right or left arm in the second book. That's amazing. Oh, and this is uh, somewhat similar to your points, Dan. But um, Ian he responded with "Wizard of Hogwarts" because those with magical abilities have the same power for the most part, and the control over it is almost entirely based on the effort they put into learning. Whereas if you're a mutant, it's a die roll on whether you roll a 20 and are a demigod or a 1 and end up with a third arm growing out of your chest that doesn't even work. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thanks, Ian. That's pretty solid. You, the other thing that I thought about just now is that um, we know what classes you can take at Hogwarts. Like, there's potions, there's herbology, there's all the other classes that I'm not remembering right now. That's all right. Um, but I don't know any of the fucking classes they teach at Xavier's Institute. I don't think they... Besides has, danger room training. Yeah, danger room training and, like, cafeteria. Yeah. That's... I don't know, like, what... I don't think... Has there ever been, like, a actual breakdown of what kind of classes you can take? Uh, I guess, like, how to fly SR-71 Blackbird? <laughs> um... You know, now I'm thinking about it, like, I guess the closest thing is X-Men Evolution, but they didn't really learn anything at the, ex- at the academy. Uh, I mean, they went to high school normally, but then they learned all their combat training at the mansion. So I guess they learned, like, tactics and team building and strategy and... So you I, mean, you mean tell me that if you're a mutant, you, you gotta go to high school anyway? Fuck that. Well, according to, <laughs> according to the X-Men Evolution storyline, I mean... Like it, it, when it comes down to it, the X Man or the the school was it where Xavier's gifted school for youngsters. It's just a black ops paramilitary training grounds. No mo- no wonder so many people join Magneto's Brotherhood because he was like, you don't got to go to high school. Just come here, we hang out. Yeah. Shit, man. I want to go to high school. Fuck but, that. That's another thing. If you're a mutant, there's gonna be always some uh, other. Pow- more powerful mutant or some shadowy government organization that's trying to like control you. I mean, so Magneto, like, if, you, if you're a mutant, you know, y- you gotta spend your days wondering if Magneto's gonna show up out of nowhere. He's, he's just gonna fly down next to your bedroom mill, rip out your window, and start like in a booming voice, it chorus you to joining the evil brotherhood of mutants, or you're scarred for life because. Patrick Stewart's voice starts echoing in your head, and you have no idea what's going on. I mean, you just don't—you don't—you just don't have any agency as a mutant. You're in like two camps, or you're just recruited by some other crazy guy like Sebastian Shaw from the Hellfire Club. I guess the point that we're making here is that nobody probably wants to be a mutant by choice. <laughs> you have you—you're just—you just—you just, you're just born just with like it, shitty. and you're stuck with it, and you just got to deal with it. And most of the time, it's crappy. You know. This make this reminds me of this game that came out last gen called X Men Destiny. Have you heard of this game, Chris? Uh, was it PS3? PS3 360. I know it's the first time I heard of it. So X Men Destiny was this RPG by Silicon Knights. They did um, Eternal Darkness and Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes. Okay. So they did this RPG called X Men Destiny that was supposed to be um, Bio- Bioware esque, where you picked your own mutant. And depending on your choices, you could join Xavier or you could join Magneto. And the story changed based on what you did. Um, But the game was garbage. (laughs) It it sucked really bad. I remember playing it and just not having any fun. And you couldn't really create your own character. You had to choose between two or three, like, templates. And it just ended up not being very good. And I kind of wish that somebody would take that concept and make something out of it because there there's a really good potential for a, for an awesome rpg there you mm-hmm. know like wouldn't that be awesome to make your own mutant and then decide if yeah. you want to be magneto crew or xavier's crew if you, you you could even apply that to like a dc universe online template i would totally love that that's really disappointing it, it, it bombed yeah it wasn't just uh, absolute garbage have we talked yeah. about this before where like we we asked each other what's our ideal mutant power. I feel like we did. 
It might have been a special topic. Okay. Mine, mine would be something really mundane. Like, I think I would want just... I would probably want to be just, like, Quicksilver. Or, okay. or I'd want to be able to fly. Just something that, that would make my commutes super <laughs> easy. You know, so that way I can sleep in, I can get up whenever I want, and I could just, whoosh, just take time off. time is money. Yeah, that's, like, I would want more of, like, a practical power rather than something, like, flashy or mm-hmm. powerful. Just something to get me through my day easier. Mm-hmm. I would go for something, like, something pseudo... Well, actually, well, yes, I would also like some sort of, like, travel-related power. Like, I would love to just to bamf around, like, night Nightcrawler. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But I also something I want something like a little bit more conventional. Like you know, um like Domino, how she can manipulate like vectors or something like that. I want a power where I can manipulate well, this is breaking physics in general, but mutants, whatever. I can manip- manipulate probabilities. If I if I'm let's say in a hoop like a hoop throwing contest, man- just like have perfect accuracy and score every basket, ten out of ten, and then win prize money and never have to worry about money again or something like that. I would want just travel ability and healing factor. Like I'll be yeah. good with just those two. But then, nice well, is the healing factor. factor worth like the the price of outliving all your friends and family? And they're all you know you live to be a millennia old, and you're still the same the same age, and everyone you knew ever knew is dead. Okay, I I don't want Wolverine's healing factor. I just <laughs> I just want to be able to recover from cuts real quick. All right. I want I want to be able to recover like instantly when I burn my tongue and like get a paper cut. You know, I just want it to go away immediately. Okay, that's all. And imagine the, all the money you'd save on health insurance. Exactly. Yeah. Good pool. Yeah. All right. So. Um, so is that, that an episode? It? I think so. All right, Super Nerd Pal sixty five, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you for tuning in. I'm Stan Gadurski. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Doom. And I'm Chris Sampson. And you can find me at Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O Ninja for Hire. And you can find the show on Twitter at Super Nerd Pals. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash Super Nerd Pals. Super active community. Um, I want to thank everyone for being active, participating in our polls, posting their own stuff. And, you know, Chris is always active on there. And I try to be a little bit active, too. But it's yeah. a fun time. Um, our community is growing. It's, yeah, it's, like it's growing. 319 or 20 by now? Around there. Keep growing it. SuperNerdPals.com is our like central area where we post episodes, YouTube stuff, Instagram stuff. Everything gets filtered through that website. So that's your like one-stop shop for all our nerdy stuff. Um, Chris does a blog. I might do a blog soon too. We'll see. Because you're graduating. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'll have more time. free time. So we'll we'll see if I can keep up a little written written blog thingy up there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you can find Andy on Twitter at SweetJustice1. That's SweetJusticeONE. Yeah, you can tweet at him and yell at him for not being here this week. But it's even okay. He's, he's a got, great excuse. Even though, he, yeah, he's, even though he's got a good reason, still yell at him because it's fun to do. And, and, like, and you, you miss him. We miss him. Yeah. So please find us on um, iTunes, subscribe to us, give us five stars when you rate us. Um, We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. And if you could do us a huge favor, tell your friends and give us a good rating because that helps other people find us and helps the community grow. Hell yeah. And I guess that's it, right? We're done. We're done. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, pals. Have a good one. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Ba-da-da-da-da-da.